Welcome to this live broadcast of Manufacturing Talk Radio. I'm Tim Grady, and I am here with Nancy Lemaster, who is the committee chair from the Institute for Supply Management on the Hospital Purchasing Managers Index Report. Nancy, I'm always excited to speak with you about this report because it is a probably a really true indicator of what's happening with the hospitals and more importantly, the pandemic. Thanks for joining me. Oh, thanks Tim for having you. So your your report, and I just wanna kind of step through it bit by bit because it's really important information, shows 63.4. Yes, for the purchasing manager index, another really strong month up 2.8% from September. Now that 63.4, Nancy, really says there is a lot of demand pressure on the hospitals. It really does. And um, then as we get into the sub-indexes and the comments from our panelists gives us a little context as to what kind of volume that is. So if we look at the business activity, 67.5 versus 68 in September, we, we know that you know, the, it's a strong month. We also know um, from the new orders indication, which is up four and a half percent. So it went from 61 to 65.5. And if you remember, we t- talked last month about COVID starting to loosen its grip again um, and the opportunity for there to be um, elective to come back into the hospitals. And what the comments is that shift is is slow. There were comments about surgery still being 30 days out or about the fact that the only elective procedures being were those that they were confident would not require an inpatient bed for recovery. We did see those new orders, people being able to get into the queue. And that was validated by the backlog of orders starting to go down. So in September, that backlog was at 7%. That's the second highest it's ever been. Um, It hit that level right at the beginning of the pandemic when we were shutting everything down and it had gone all the way back to 72 last month. It came down to 69, so it's just a 3%, but that gives us a little bit of confidence um, along with the comments that Um, our mix is starting to be a little bit less COVID intensive and we're starting to see a little bit more of what, you know, the quote, quote, normal uh, volumes returning to the hospitals. And that is uh, so critical because that is for our listeners and viewers an indication that COVID at the moment is waning and hospitals are able to get back to the normal course of business, which means elective procedures and regular surgeries and taking care of other emergency room visits other than a COVID patient coming in. So uh, I think that is good news at the moment and we hope it continues in that direction, Nancy. We do. I think the, um, you know, the additional potential constraint factor against being able to take care of these patients is the employment number. It came in at 41. It's still contracting, not as bad as the 40 of the previous month, 
but still in very dire um, levels. And the comments from our panelists really underscored a couple of different kinds of challenges. You know, one is obviously recruitment, especially with our non-clinical people. We've talked about that. We're Hospitals are up against other industries, increasing wages, increasing benefits um, to put pressure on, on that aspect. But we heard a lot of comments um, this time also about the fact that clinical staff, especially nursing, were leaving their traditional hospital roles to move into something that are called traveling nurses. Traveling nurses are what hospitals employ when they're really desperate for labor. These people travel anywhere in the country that they're needed for usually a fixed period of time, six or eight weeks, and they receive an extremely high pay, you know, in order to compensate for that. So, you know, we're seeing some people taking advantage of the opportunities, you'd say, for higher compensation in these different roles. So, you know, a lot of pressure on the hospitals to have to pay more for the labor they can find, right? And um, and continue to try and come up with creative ways to retain the staff they have so they don't move on um, and get, you know, uh, picked off by others offering uh, additional either compensation benefits, something that makes the job seem more um, attractive. So a lot of work going into retention as well to recruitment. So uh, obviously supplier deliveries are a big, big problem for uh, both for every industry right now. And that's particularly critical for the healthcare industry. Are they doing more local sourcing or are they pretty much stuck, Nancy, with the orders floating around on the ships that are bobbing around outside of Long Beach, Los Angeles Harbor. Yeah, so you're right. I mean, I looked at the supplier delivery number hit 79.5 this year, this month, I mean, from the hospitals up 6%. And I went back and looked and the highest, it's the second highest in um, April, 2020, it hit 88%. But um, yeah, people are scrambling to find alternate product wherever they can. The challenge with trying to purchase locally is again, it's the supply. It's not, there are not a lot of local producers, but it's also the raw material. So many of the raw materials necessary in these products we've talked about before come from Asia, come from overseas, like um, the materials for gloves coming from Malaysia. I mean, disproportionately, that's where the source of rubber is. Um, and so we've had a, a lot of scrambling. In fact, we were just talking about this when I did the release this morning. Um, we're not only scrambling to find product, we're having to spend a lot of time identifying counterfeit and sub-quality product. So the FDA has put out an announcement uh, warning hospitals to be on the lookout for counterfeit and subpar gloves. You know, that's a product that's kind of hard to, um, to look at in the ports as they're coming in when it's difficult to do quality checks in that way, they alert the hospitals to be looking for that. So not only are the hospital supply chain people willing to find acceptable solutions and get them in, now we've got to be on high alert for an increase in fraudulent products coming in from overseas. 
And that is incredibly scary. I know that they're struggling to uh, increase their inventories and they're gaining a little foothold. And I certainly commend them for watching out for counterfeit product because we know that is in the supply chain, unfortunately. Uh, what's their comfort level, Nancy? What are you hearing from your respondents in terms of uh, you know, the time they're devoting to COVID patients, the time they're devoting to, to literally checking in all of these goods. It's got to be chaos constant. Yeah, I think for the, you know, supply chain professionals, you know, they're, they're doing a yeoman's job of trying to manage all of this. For the first time in a year, the inventory sentiment fell 10% down to too low. So even though for the past three months, supply chain, hospital supply chain people have been building inventory because of the, the supply um, shortages and the alternatives. There was feeling that we were just around the corner from it getting better. And I think this month, and we'll need to watch it to make sure it's not just a one data point, they're saying, no, we, we think this is a longer term problem and we're going to actively build even more inventory. So some of the comments that you may have seen, you know, really talked about the fact that a lot of efforts are now being placed on the sourcing and finding acceptable clinical substitutes. So not only are the supply chain people having to shift their focus to even more searching, searching, but we're having to pull clinicians to test these products and look at them and make sure they're acceptable. So yes, this is definitely a drain away from what I call normal work, both for clinicians when we have to go into their space and say, hey, can you come look at these things? Can you help us with that? Supply chain people who might be working on other types of, of activities are now back into a lot of the fire activities, um, just trying to get product on the shelf. No doubt, no doubt. Um... You mentioned employment, uh, supplier deliveries, inventory levels. I know you and I have talked in the past about uh, made in the USA sourcing here. Is that shift beginning in the healthcare industry where they're really saying we need a much shorter supply chain than what we have? I think the discussions are there. We talked about last month the strategic national efforts and the federal government trying to um, provide support and encouraging manufacturing for certain critical products. Well, you know, personal protective gear would be high on that list. Um, and you have seen some manufacturers, 3M, Beck and Dixon, trying to expand their uh, U.S.-based production. I think this is going to be a longer term um, you know, process because, you know, in, like any manufacturer, if they're going to invest all of that money into building that infrastructure, they're going to want some long-term contracts and some agreements. Um, and I think that um, you're starting to hear rumors of um, group purchasing organizations and large health firms coming together to say, we'll make those commitments, build the capacity, we'll make those commitments. Um, but, you know, that's not going to be a short-term fix. It's going to be a very long-term, and as a, as a country, we have a tendency to have short-term memory, you know, and, and I think a fear is that as soon as COVID wanes, as soon as the 
ships get docked, things get a little bit better, we'll be back to looking, how do we save a penny instead of how do we secure our supply chain long-term? So I think it's up to all of us in the supply chain industry to keep that dialogue going and to not let people lose sight that we've got fundamental problems we need to fix. Yes, I am hopeful that big pharma brings their manufacturing of many of their drugs, including you know, everyday uh, uh, antibiotics and those kinds of drugs back to the USA. Yep. Um, in fact, that counterfeits may be sneaking in there is terrifying to the patient and to the doctor and probably to the industry at large. And it's very, very difficult to, to squeeze it out of the supply chain when it stretched that long. So I'm glad those discussions are taking place. I hope they talk faster. Me too. <laughs> so uh, in terms of some of the, the hospital-specific metrics we look at in the report, uh, nothing. the only thing that was a little surprising and we'll watch it is with the supplier deliveries being and the substitute being such a problem, we actually saw the touchless order metric. And if you remember, that's because hospitals get a lot of their supplies from a distributor. And so they have a process set up where based on their par levels, product automatically gets replenished. And that got better in October. Uh, it went back into the, you know, the positive range. So we'll keep an eye on that. That would be good if that happens and stabilizes. It would, again, take a little bit of the pressure off the supply chain folks. It would say that the distributors are getting a little bit more product, but you know, it's, it's not quite in sync. So we'll keep an eye on it. But the uh, case mix has been stable. Unfortunately, you know, we talked about like a bright spot and the bright spot was that the day outstanding had gone down. We thought our suppliers were gonna get paid a little faster and that reversed this month. Um, so again, mentioning labor, you know, if, if these departments are short staffed, then it's hard to get the bills paid and out the door. So we'll keep an eye on that as well. Yeah, this has uh, really stretched the healthcare industry and many other industries uh, to the point where you would think it was at the break breaking point, but I'm uh, proud that America has pulled together and all of these industries have done it spectacular job of moving us through what we haven't seen since 1918 in the Spanish flu. Right. Yep. And we're hoping that there'll be some lessons learned in this that will maybe stay with us and help make the supply chain more efficient, especially on that end of sourcing and selecting products that can be substituted um, in the future. I mean, we have to look for every silver lining we can find. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. Uh, Nancy, as you look forward to, or toward next month and the end of the year, is your sense that, and our hope is, that we'll begin to do something called return to normal? Yeah. Well, I think that our patient mix is on a pathway to returning to quote, quote, normal. I think with the... Um, you know, vaccinations approved for children, you know, five to 12, that's gonna help. I imagine everybody saw in the news, we've got two potential drugs coming out as antivirals, similar to Tamiflu for the flu. 
two antiviral drugs are going to, data is going to be presented to the FDA that could potentially reduce the severity of COVID. So there's a lot of things kind of coming to bear that would indicate that we might be able to get the rate down by vaccinations. That would be the, the first choice. But in the event we still do have either unvaccinated people or breakthroughs with these antivirals, we could keep them out of the hospital. And that would allow some normalization, um, ability to process this backlog of people waiting for care. So the, the wild card continues, just like we heard from Tim and from Tony on supply disruption and getting the products. Because if you end up with severe shortages, you're going to, you know, cancel cases. Um, you've got to be able to get the right supplies to take care of those folks. So, you know, the supply chain remains a, a concern, but I think the mix, we've got some, some positive uh, light at the end of that tunnel. Yes, uh, I'm particularly pleased that the country as a whole was able to pull together and come up with a vaccine in nine months and begin to get it distributed. And certainly that's helpful. The antivirals are helpful. I just saw a report that they have a new blood test that they think can identify up to 50 cancers in their early cancer state. So that, that's a real plus for the world as a whole. And Nancy, we appreciate each one of you joining us to share what's happening in this industry, in healthcare, in hospitals, with the hospital PMI, because it truly is an indicator of the health of the country. Thanks again for joining us. Thanks, Tim, for having me. We'll talk next month. Yes, we will. And we encourage everyone to go to ismworld.org where you can find these very important reports. And while you're surfing the web, go to jacketmediaco.com where you can find links to this show's and the other podcasts available. And as always, thank you for listening to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.